you know, you're a uh, LA legend. Um, <laughs> Overly flattering, but I'll, take, <laughs> but I'll take it. Um, I mean, I've been reading your blog for years, Passion of the Weiss, uh, and, you know, your work with LA Weekly, and now, you know, The Land, um, and your hip-hop label is really cool, like, what you've done for the West Coast, and, you know, even your reach comes to the Midwest, so, you know, it's really dope. Yeah. Uh, you cover a lot of, like, Chicago artists, too. Yeah, Chicago's, um, yeah. like, one of my favorite cities yeah. in the world. Yeah, so, welcome, Jeff Weiss. Yeah, thanks for having yeah. me. Um, I just want to start with, you know, um, growing up in LA, you know, I, I know you you grew up in a pretty, like, uh, religious family. No, not, not religious. religious. No, no, no. I got, well, like, you know, like, kind of like fake religious where it's like, you will be bar mitzvahed, <laughs> like, you know, and like, you're like, okay. And you will learn to read Hebrew, which you won't know what the words mean. And like, you'll have like a very, like, uh, you will like, you know, like all at the, the symbolic elements of, of religion, but like, we were probably more like an agnostic family. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think. Well, I don't know. I don't know. You'd have to ask my parents that, but yeah, it was, I mean, like I, I dropped out of Hebrew school, but I had a, <laughs> I had a private tutor. He was a, he was a great man. He, he like made sense. They're like, all right, you're a complete fuck up. But we heard about this one guy who, he was a, like a legendary basketball player like before, back when like Jews were in the NBA before like it was like when it was called the NBL you know so I, I imagine like it was like I could have been in that like league I was like I was like yeah, I think I could have done you're that. pretty like, tall I would have been like a center yeah like 6'3 you're like you're a, you're a center in an in a NBA where there would be Jewish people um and uh you know not the tallest of people in general but um yeah no he he was like from West Virginia and was this basketball legend and somehow became a rabbi somewhere along the way and was like this super wise man who would tutor me. So I was like, you know, Oh, that's cool. So like Hebrew school dropout sung to beauty school dropout from Greece was, was, that was my life. Yeah. So when did, um, you know, when did like music enter your world? Um, it's actually really weird right now, right? Because of the whole Michael Jackson thing going on. Um, I haven't seen the documentary yet, but, um, that was the only thing in my life. Uh, that was the only record because my family was not a music family in any way, shape, or form. Uh, there was there was really no music in the house. It was just this one. You know, it was Michael Jackson Thriller was the only record in the house. It's like a very like almost like an Amish household kind of, but not really because no one was Amish. But there were like not really any books or you know the, my family would give me you know like I'd ask for books and they would give me books which was cool. But there weren't really books around. There weren't really movies around. It was like I had to kind of like blindly figure out everything myself, which was kind of cool in a way because. It's like a blank slate. Yeah, you figure out exactly kind of like who, you, you, like none of it is like influence of anybody else. Like I, I don't think my parents like I wrote a book on Tupac and Biggie with my friend Evan, and I think like the, the the intro was like I thank my parents because they never asked me what I was listening to. Like they could have had no idea. So I became obsessed with Michael Jackson Thriller, and then I remember like you know you'd hear like random songs right on the radio. Like I remember like. I really liked Motown Philly. <laughs> like I thought that was really great. Uh, like I liked I liked Hammer's first album in its entirety. I haven't gone back and listened to it, but I probably would defend it. I liked Ice Ice Baby. Like you know, Young MC Busta Move. But I think the first like real rap album I ever like was like, all right, this is like your music that you will love. Was probably The Chronic, and I was like, I just turned like eleven or something. I think no, yeah, I just turned eleven. And I was like, this is the best shit I've ever heard. What did you like about it? Um. I think just like honestly, like at first I was just drawn to the beats. Like I, you know, I, I thought rap producers were like magicians. Like I thought like they, I mean they are to some degree for sure. Like but they're like more like alchemists than like magicians, right? Because they're like cooking up these, they're like stitching together these like different things. But I thought that you know it's what the NWA movie so funny where like they're showing Dre making like nothing but a G thing, and you're like that's a sample, <laughs> like that's a Leon you know Haywood sample. Um, but yeah, like the you know that. That the the the, the snake like synth of like nothing but a G thing, and then I mean I think just Snoop honestly was like so cool. Like today, like Luke Perry died, so I was like thinking about like what was cool to me when I was like ten years old, eleven years old. I feel like it was probably Snoop and Luke Perry. <laughs> like I was like that before I knew anything else. When like you're you have this like rudimentary perception of like what cool is, I would have said like Snoop Dogg was for sure. You know, like when, when the nothing but a G thing video starts and like Dre goes to get Snoop and Snoop's just chilling there in his house, like the weed, you know, puts on the weed hat and you're just like, starts rapping like effortlessly and you're like, well, that's it, you know? And it was just the sound of LA at the time. So you couldn't escape it, you know, like power on a 692.3, the beat, it was everywhere. 
Were you able to, like, talk about it with your friends? Were they also into the same thing? Yeah, everyone. Like, that was the other weird thing was, like, everybody was... Because I just, like... L.A. was such a rap city, you know? I mean, like, I think maybe if I was a little older, it would have been, like, Guns N' Roses and Hair Metal. But, like, it had... You know, I was, like, too young for N.W.A. So, like, when Dre went solo, like, I, I did... I, I, like, I think I remember hearing, like... A NWA song on K-Day that, like, maybe my friend put on when we were, like, really young, you know? And, like, you don't even know what it is. But, like, in hindsight, I remember it. But, like, I was too young, really, for K-Day, at least the first iteration. And then... But everybody I knew... It was, like, Dre and Snoop that was, like, everywhere. And, like, everyone I knew listened to rap, which was really funny because I got to college and then, like, I was just, like... It was just, like, white bros that would just be, like, you don't know Social Distortion, man? I'm, like, I, a what? And, like, but, like, in Orange County, that was the biggest band in the world. And But I just did not know. Like, I mean, I listened to, like, The Doors and, like, Jimi Hendrix. And I had, like, a year where I was super into grunge because, like, grunge was, like, really hitting. So, like, for two in years. In college? No, in, in, like, junior high. I was, like, oh. super. Oh, yeah, I, like, yeah. I had, like, a year and a half. I mean, because, like, Kurt Cobain. I mean, yeah, Kurt Cobain also, I'd probably say, was, like, also, like, the coolest thing. So I was pretty immediately drawn, I guess, to that, like, figures that were really popular but also subversive i don't know if they have i wonder now like who would be the modern day equivalent i mean they have to exist but i feel like the desire to resist the system might not be there to the same extent where it's like like a kurt cobain or like a snoop Snoop dog i mean was pretty outside you know he had like a murder i mean i guess it exists but it's more like underground i think which it existed like that at the time i mean rap at the time barring Dre and Snoop was was a super underground thing like you had to just like I, I like once I was like I think when I was like when Dre left like Aftermath or when, when Dre left Death Row I started like buying the source like it must have been like 13 or 14 and that was kind of that was like how I educated myself was just like waiting for the source to come out every month and reading it cover to cover and just it was so exciting was that when you got the idea to write about music, or what was your, like... No, honestly, that was a real scam. No. <laughs> um, I never honestly thought about writing about music. I didn't even... Like, I, I guess I knew in the abstract. Like, I, I had a Rolling Stones subscription, too. Um, but writing about music was just honestly was, like... I went to college, and I, I, I didn't even think being a writer was, like, a potential career. Like, I played baseball, and I thought, like... Oh, like maybe I'll be a baseball player. I figured like maybe I'll like bounce around in the minor leagues for a few years. Like by that point, I knew I wasn't good enough to like be in the pros. But I was like, well, maybe you can play like low minors or something, and like that'd be like a fun way to, you know, spend a few years before you have to like be serious about your life. And then um, that didn't really pan out. And then I, I just kind of had, I just I really got inspired by the the beat generation writers, and I started taking a lot of mushrooms, and like I quit the baseball team and this like huge team walkout, and then. I was, you know, figuring out, like, well, what are you going to do for your life? You're going to be like, I thought about being a professor. Cause, you know, I, I loved history and I loved English and I thought that'd be cool to teach. And, um, and then it just, it, I graduated and I had like a bunch of stupid odd jobs and I figured like writing was, uh, well, I knew I was working on this novel and I figured, okay, how can you survive until, like, I, of course, I had these, like, delusional dreams. I was like, I'm going to write a novel. And, Is like, that from the beat generation? Um, like, just... With that, that kind of idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I thought, like, oh, you can just write your version of On the Road and you will be, like, rich and famous. And, like, it... That's, like, every young person's dream. I feel like yeah. when you first start writing out, you know? Totally. No, it was funny. I was watching the Jerry Garcia documentary last night, like, because my friend's like, you have to see that. I really like The Grateful Dead. That was... I was actually in Chicago for the, uh, they did the, like, the final 50th anniversary show a few years ago. And Garcia was, they were saying, like, he read On the Road, and that was, like, you know, and I just, it doesn't really, like, it's sad, because, like, they were saying how, like, he read that book and it changed his life. And I still feel like there's a lot of people that they'll read a book like that and it changes their life. And it's sad that we don't live in a culture where it's, like, it has to be the book and the canon that change. I mean, I, I understand, like, I'm sure there are books that, like, 12-year-olds are reading that, like, it will change their lives, but... For me, it was always old books. Like, I, I wish it was, there was an author that I'd read that was, like, of this, maybe five or ten years older than me where I read it. And I'm like, that going to make me want to be a writer. But it was, you know, like, older books, I guess. And, like, yeah, I, I loved, like, you know, I liked, like, uh, J.D. Salinger a lot. Like, when I was a kid, I liked F. Scott Fitzgerald. I loved, um, yeah, just a bunch of, yeah, I got I got really into, like, Allen Ginsberg. And then, then all the other beats, like, you know, try to expand. I wish I'd read Eve Babbitts when I was younger. I feel like I would have really deeply loved Eve Babbitts more. It's just like this dreamy quality. Like even I really love Joan Didion too. Yeah, Joan Didion's amazing. And there's just like this dream because she's from LA. 
Joan Didion. Well, she she was from Sacramento, then went to New York, then lived in L.A. for most of her life, and then went back to New York. Yeah, there's, like, that dreamy, like, L.A. sort of yeah. 70s vibe. Totally. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, like, everyone now, like, which, like, I confess, I was super late on it, too, because, like, you know, only in the last couple of years. But I wish that someone had been like, actually, the Steve Babbitt's part, you know, because she is so L.A. And there weren't really that many L.A. writers. Like, I was, I really wanted, like, there was just, aren't, there weren't that many, like iconic LA writers like I mean I never really was into Charles Bukowski like that like some of his stuff is really good but it just like the whole like you know the whole like bro stereotype of Charles but you know what I mean like I just was like like it was already bad enough that I was so into Jack Kerouac I was like I don't need to double down on this um and yes I never really got into that I never really liked uh actually like kind of actively disliked John Fonte he was like a big famous LA writer yeah, honestly, like, and I liked Nathaniel West a lot, but then I read E. Babbitt's essay about, like, anti-Nathaniel West, where she basically was like, he's the writer that all the New York people like, because all he says is, like, L.A. is a stereotypical, like, place that, like, is going to end up burning, and it's, like, these, like, you know, depressing people that are just wandering around in, like, a fog of, you know, a smog and, like, you know, stoned and the whole L.A. cliche. But then E. Babbitt was like the first one who was like, actually, it's kind of tight. <laughs> and I was like, all right, yeah, you get it. You know, she's, she's a real patron saint now. So, How did you come out of that? Like, what were your... I mean, I know you started working... To write for, for music? Like, yeah, music. yeah. I mean, just, you wrote for LA Weekly, like, pretty well, early. Pretty early, yeah. It was just one of those things where I was like, all right, I finished... You know, I got, I got, like, I got like this really valuable but kind of job that I hated at like a business newspaper in the valley and like I was like wearing a suit every day and like writing a lot of bad poems and like reading Helen Ginsberg and just like hating my life and like I was like 22 or 23 and then I just I was reading all these amazing blogs and um like what you know hindsight like I don't know how amazing they were but they were like amazing at the time <laughs> to me and like that's all that matters you know uh what was I reading uh I mean I was just doing a lot of imitations. Like, I always said, like, there was this... There's this one bla- blog by this writer, Alex Blagg, that I really liked called Blagg Blog. And uh, I, I really... I still... I mean, Aquarium Drunker just was and still is great. I was really... Um, my friend Ian wrote a blog called Sexy Results that I thought was amazing. Um, we probably both... I mean, I, I, I think it's off the internet, but... Uh, this is, like, probably early 2000s, right? Before this is, blogging. This is 2005. I, yeah. I, I honestly did not... Like, there's this whole pre-internet thing where a bunch of people, like... Like, I feel like I came into the internet now, in hindsight, because I'm older, like, early. But at the time, it felt like I was kind of late because there were all these, like, message boards. And there was, like... There were, like, web, there's some website called Hip Hop Infinity. And I guess they, like, only championed white rappers. And everyone... It was really weird. Like, I was like, I don't know what anyone's talking that about. That sounds problematic. Yeah, it was, like, it was, like, very problematic. I was like, I don't even know what anyone's talking about. There were, like, all these internet wars that I felt like I was, like... But I just didn't know. All I knew was... I just was stoked because I was like, okay... I'm out of college now. I don't know anyone else who likes Ghostface. Like, I'm not, you know, like, all my friends, we, like, I was obsessed with Wu-Tang and, like... Uh, On the West Coast. Yeah, I love, yeah. No, I mean, I always loved East Coast stuff. I always loved... I liked, tw- I liked Do or Die, Twista. Like, I liked Crucial Conflict. I mean, there were, I, I, you know, I liked everything. The Southern rap stuff didn't get to us, necessarily. Like, and the bass stuff all, also, like, didn't get to us the same way. Like That's interesting. How you were checking for Chicago and not the Bay. Well, Chicago, I think Chicago... Well, like, just there were more crossover artists from Chicago, I think. That makes of, sense. Like, Common I didn't know that much about, but, like, by the time I was in college, like, Common was everywhere. But, like, the Bay was so insular, like, you know, I you I just... You would never hear a Mac Dre song on the radio. If, like, Too Short. You, you know, everyone knew Too Short. But even E-40, like, really into, like, the Tell Me When to Go era. Like, I, yeah, I knew E-40. I'd listen to some E-40, but... It just, like, it didn't, like, make its way down. Like, you'd never... It really was just too... And Looney's was, like, randomly huge. I feel like a lot of the sound in the Bay, too, is very insular, you yeah. know? Like, it's very from the Bay. Totally. It's still... And it still is. Like, like Mike Sherm or, like, Little Pete or, like, All Black or, like, these artists now are really huge in the Bay, but you don't really hear them, like, outside of the Bay. It's, it's still... I, I think that's why the Bay is really cool like that. Like, uh, that's kind of actually my favorite part about... Um, about rap music right now is that it's it's so regional again it's it hasn't been this regional since the 90s and to be like you know to be like a mainstream rapper you almost have to like become a meme or like have some crazy viral hit or be like this like middle brow like pop kind of creation like i mean like blue like i like i love blueface but blueface blew up because he basically became like a walking cartoon you know and that's cool he's super animated he has totally a star quality but 
like my favorite rappers from LA of this generation are Draco and Greedo, who are big, but it wasn't until Greedo started like doing viral things online to be like, I hate Tupac, that, and which is the problem. But going back, I guess, I just, I, I quit my job and like, I think it was like 06 and I just was like, all right, I have like six months. Like I, I ended up like long story. I ended up like winning a lawsuit, which I like, I have a non-disclosure agreement to talk about, but it was nothing bad. It was like, it was with my university. It was like over, can't write. I think, I think technically I'm not allowed to ever talk about it again, but it was, it was just like about my baseball team. Like lean just to say, like I wasn't allowed to play baseball and it was a whole like fiasco, which, you know, I'll probably write about at some point and hopefully won't get sued. Um, but uh, so I ended up like getting a little bit of money and just was like, okay, I have about, six, it was not like a lot, you know what I mean? I was like, okay, you have six months, you have to go finish your book. Cause like, I couldn't write my book. I'm still like, now I'm, I'm unfortunately not one of those writers that can like, I know, like I have my friend, Paul Thompson is like, he's incredible. He's like one of these people who's like, I woke up at seven o'clock in the morning and I wrote 2000 words and then I took a nap and then I wrote 2000 words, but I'm not like that. Like I need like intense, super focus. Uh, and so I quit my job, started writing, finishing this novel and ended up finishing it, sticking in a drawer. I'd started work, I'd already started my blog. It was really terrible. What year is this? This is end of 05 and like going into 06. I quit my job in 06. And I was like, okay, I have this blog. I'm going to start writing. I'm, I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to write every day for the it's blog. It's like really at the top of like the blog era. Yeah. So it was a good time to get noticed. And, and I basically had a friend. Uh, well, I also wrote for this magazine called Stylist Magazine, which is super valuable. Because I kind of just learned, how, I had a really great editor, this guy Todd Burns, who's, who works at Red Bull now, and he's just like this genius prodigy editor. And I met all these amazing other writers, and that's kind of where I, I really got a broad musical education was from this magazine because we had this message board, and it'd be one of those things where I'm like, I don't know anything about jazz because I knew nothing about jazz. And then I remember like these brilliant, like kind of eccentric people, like that you, I, like now I've met most of them, but you know they were just like avatars on a, on a message board, yeah. and now and they'd be like, oh well. Here's all of Miles Davis. Here's all of John Coltrane. Have you heard Alice Coltrane? You know, have you heard Dorothy Ashby? All these crazy things. And, you know, I'm like, oh, well, I'm like, I like, I got like really sick. And I'm like, I can't listen to anything but the blues. And they're like, oh, well, have you heard like Skip James? And they just put me up on all this really cool stuff. And so I got, I got my education kind of broadened. And I kind of taught myself. I was like really just smoking an insane amount of weed and like really into psychedelics at the time. So I was like, got really into classic rock as the cliche would go. And so then I, I basically, this editor, Randall Roberts, who's now at the Times, hit me up out of the blue and he was like, do you, uh, would you be interested in writing for LA Weekly? I just, you know, I just moved actually from, he was originally from St. Louis actually, and he, um, he had just moved to LA to take over as LA Weekly music editor. And it felt like a dream coming true, you know, cause he, he knew about me cause he'd done a piece for stylist and he'd asked my editor, do you have any writers in LA? And I mean, it was kind of on from there. You know, I, I was at the LA Times. I'd done like two pieces for the LA Times before that, um, thanks to a really great editor named Kevin Bronson, who kind of, you know, was a, he knew I played baseball in college. So he's like, will you play in my adult baseball league? And I was like, eh. And he's like, well, I'll give you a chance. You know, like I was like, he's like, you know, so it was like basically like he gave me a chance at the Times. I played in his adult baseball league and it all worked out. So were you reading LA Weekly when you were younger? And so that kind of was like a I think really starting big... when I was in college, I think I picked okay. it up. Yeah, starting when I was like, maybe high school. Like whenever I, when I, you know, I would always pick up everything. I mean, I was really obsessed with LA Times. Like I was super obsessed with LA Times. And me and my dad used to fight over it when I was a kid. I was always really into, I wouldn't say I was into journalism. I was just really into writing and like learning. And I loved, uh, before the internet, I mean, it was such a, you know, like, knowledge was such a premium, I suppose. I mean, now it's, I, it's weird, right? Because we have all the knowledge in the world at our fingertips, but we somehow, by virtue of, that's why like, I'm super into going to use bookstores, because you'll find books that you didn't know existed. And the internet, while it has, if you can figure out what you want, it's amazing because you can get that book. It's almost like, you don't know what, you don't know almost how to discover things. Or it's like, it's Spotify. It's, you know, sometimes I'll think about like, I'll, I'll have an iPod classic and I'll listen to that because it'll just have a set number of things and I'll forget that something existed. Whereas, but it'll come up on my shuffle and I'm like, oh, you love that. Like I'll re-listen to it, but I might not have ever remembered it existed if I was just looking through my Spotify because it would just be like, you like this. Now you might like this. And you know, it's just giving me a bunch of blue face songs, which is, <laughs> I mean, uh, so your blog, Passion of the Weiss, has really grown since, you know, what was like the trajectory for that? Did you have a, was um, it just you wanting to post songs or? Yeah, I mean, at first it was like just me being an, 
annoying, angry, like idiot, <laughs> you know, and it's like early to mid twenties. And then eventually I had a bunch of bad opinions about rap, but I felt like I really wanted to share with the world. It was a really bad time for rap. And I really didn't like, I, I, I don't know at the time, it, like in hindsight, it seems really stupid. Like, I can't believe I was getting mad at people over their, their taste in hip hop. Like, it's just like one of those things where you're like, Ugh. like on Why? forums. No, not on forums. It's like on my blog. You know what I mean? Like, be like, ugh. You know, and, and like in hindsight, some of my opinions were probably wrong. And then it was just, it was a weird time because, you know, it, I guess it still is to a certain point. There's such a hero worship of artists. And then maybe there always has been. Um, but I just remember, you know, you it, 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 criticism, it's weird. Like, I don't know. Like, I, it was just a weird era. <laughs> like, everyone was just like, only if you weren't rapping about Coke then, like, you were automatically bad, you know, or critics would, like, shit on you, and I was like, that's dumb, like, I always liked all kinds of rap, I always liked, like, my, my favorite rap was probably, like, gangster and street rap, but when I was in college, I liked, like, the backpack stuff, and I never understood, I don't know, LA was different, I suppose, like, there were never really those, I mean, I, I assume there were, like, there was more of, like, the fat beat, like, the fat beats crowd on, like, Vermont that, you know, I maybe, like, went to once or twice, and that was really cool, and then it moved to Melrose, but, like, the wars, you know, where they're like, you can't like Jay-Z, he's mainstream, or, like, you have to like the roots, like, that to me was, like, really alien, like, I didn't, I never understood that, and I still don't, and I think, actually, if there's anything good now about rap criticism, is that those sort of wars are dead, and the problem with, like, rap criticism is it doesn't really exist. And it's, like, there's not much journalism. And I think a lot of people, like, a lot of really intelligent people are trying. But I don't really think... You're talking about right now? Yeah, I don't think there's really the resources. I think the alternative weeklies were really valuable in covering... They're mostly, like, dead. They're all dead, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, and if you ask, like, the wild thing is, what was the best story written about, like, XX Tansion or whatever? It was the intern at the Miami... Yeah, right. That one was wild. It was great because she knocked yeah. on the door and because she was a local reporter and because she probably had editors that were like... You you should do that and they were you know it was like they were there and without alternative weeklies i mean like that is not going to happen and national publications i mean you're from chicago so in you know from the midwest in general reader yeah, yeah. the reader's great. great and like yeah. i love lior and like i'm really happy that he and like they still have a music section but i don't know how long any of these all weeklies can hold on i don't i don't know if the form is an alt weekly i mean if i had a lot of money for the land, I would love it to go monthly. That would be, like, my dream. I think, like, you can do a monthly. It could be really great. And that's, you know, like, you, you can get ads from the venues because I still think people don't want to... I think people are, like, changing. I don't think people want to go online as much. I think everyone's going nuts. Like, I, I mean, if you're, like, on Twitter, like, everyone's like, this place sucks. Like, I can't tweet anything because everyone's going to get... You know, it's not... And I don't really even have, like... I mean, I would hope I don't have super problematic opinions or whatever, but it's just, if you tweet anything, it's like... You're heavy, heavily policed. Yeah. It's, well, and it's like, yeah. I don't want to be like the white dude complaining about that shit because that's super annoying and like lame, but it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, like if you're tweeting about the Michael Jackson thing or whatever, and like, I personally don't really want to tweet about that, but I, you know, I, I did watch people tweet about it and then just get attacked by an army of bots who knows, like hired by... You know, and it's like, that sucks. Like, who are these weird bots? Why are these like weird stan armies defending a guy who may or may not be a pedophile, but, like, probably has some kind of... You know what I mean? It doesn't look good for Michael Jackson. Like, that's pretty damning. Like, all that... You know, I, I, I'm i not one to... I mean, maybe I am one to pass judgment, but it's pretty awful. I, I didn't watch it. You know what I mean? But, like... Yeah, yeah, It's, yeah. like, one of those things. It's, like, the R. Kelly thing. It's, like, that... I mean, he's... It's kind of crazy, good. though. Like, all of these yeah. things are coming out, and all the stands are just really... Yeah. Like, and it's... Look, like... And it's hard, right? Because the internet's, like, such a fucked up place. Because, like, on one hand, you're like, it's great. R. Kelly will be brought to justice for doing a bunch of horrible things to people. But then you also have, like, this thing where you're like, but that's never great. Because people were, you know what I mean? It's 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 just sad. The whole thing is just very sad. The Michael Jackson thing is very sad. These are very, like, fucked up, broken people. And, yes, justice des deserves. But, like, on the internet, it's, like, very much like this... It, 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 everything is the classic or trash binary. So it's either, like... R. Kelly, you know, like, or Michael Jackson, like, you have these weird stan armies, and then, like, I don't know, like, I guess the point is, like, there's this, tweeting, it just always flattens nuance, you don't really have any convers. I mean, not to say I'm articulating myself so well right now, but there's just no, it's just, like, <laughs> just, I feel like everything in life is, like, that's, like, the modern era just feels sad, and, like, I guess the Twitter is probably also a good place for sad, you know, right. but. I feel like it's probably, like, the... <laughs> 
nutshell of yeah. you know all the bullshit that's happening yeah so it's just and you get like in this like negativity loop and it's like i don't even want to look at that as you know what i mean it's like i don't so i've just tried to be like okay well like it's an anniversary like i love like i'm just like trying to make it positive and not be like corny positive like like inspirational sayings positive but like i like this album you know, because, like, I watched, like, I don't know, I wrote a negative review of Post Malone, and I don't regret that. I mean, I'm, like, I stand by everything Did they I come said. for you? Oh, they came. Oh, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's, like, my, like, I have, like, a post about, like, my dead cat that, like, was the most important thing in my life to me. And it's, like, like, you have Post Malone stands in, in my Instagram comment section being, like, good, you deserved your cat to die. And you know what I mean? You're, like, ugh. Like, what, That's wild. What hellfire world are we living in? So I'm just, like, I'm going to shut the fuck up as much as I can. And try to be decent and try not to be like self-righteous and like but I, i'm sure i fail like i just try to like also like no one really needs my opinions on everything that's also the other thing where i'm like all right like just just sit this one out chief <laughs> like i'm trying to like you. listen to my advice and just be like i think you just is like unless you're unless you're you don't, to, you don't have to like share your opinion on everything totally, totally i yeah that's i mean that's the thing about twitter though is like it, it becomes a thing where like you think you're supposed to because you're like oh you know but i'm thankfully i'm in my <laughs> I get older I'm just like you know what no one cares about your opinion so it's funny because like pre all like social media and shit people just come for you in person you know and there's just so much more right yeah come for me in person because that shows you got like more and like let's just talk about it like I'm probably like hopefully I'm not a bad person you're probably not a bad person like you just heard but you just sound evil on the internet you know like there's just like you know sometimes i'm like you know twitter fingers yeah like and i've made bad jokes or something and you know like not not like not like hopefully not like terrible ones but like they're just not funny you know what i mean and like no one you're just like eh, you know it's just unless you're jesus (laughs) that guy that guy that guy's figured it out but like every you know it's it's uh I'm always amazed that when people, like, are, like, really good at Twitter and just, like, are constantly doing that all day long. I feel bad. Like, I feel like it's, like, we will eventually get to the point where we realize this is a terrible thing. It feels like stepping into, like, toxicity every day when I'm on Twitter. And and I don't think it's anybody's fault, necessarily. It's just no one... I mean, I guess that's the nature of writing, right? Like, most writing is almost rooted in, like, kind of a critique of some sort you know like novels are mostly critiques of society you know and like twitter just offers like a you know an ability to like you know it's like i got i'm doing some like thing that's like sponsored by uber at like south by southwest with like Roy Choi, right and i'm stoked about it you know even though like you know um and you know he's like gonna cook tacos we're gonna talk about west coast rap i'm like great and it's like they tweeted it out and like there's like five people that i mentioned being like where's my food <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, stop! Like, I don't want this. Like, everyone feels really entitled on the internet. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's like hard because, like, I don't like make. You know, it's like the older I get, the more I'm like, well, you're probably self righteous and a hypocrite. You know, so I try to like try to like kind of you know see both sides without being a both sides type person. You know, like I mean, I, I it's weird, right? Because I think the internet just doesn't have room for shades of gray. You know, it just doesn't, like, by nature of it. And that's kind of a troubling thing where it's, like, there are a lot of things where I'd, like, I would like to, like, write a complicated take on something. But almost, like, you will get in, you will get eviscerated on the internet because someone's going to misinterpret, like, what you're trying to say. And then you have to wait. You, you know, I don't know. It is really, it's made discourse, like, really sad. And I think you see it in the sense of, like, the presidential election or people's Facebook and people, like, not speaking to, I mean... You know, it's like, I don't know, like the whole thing, or I mean, obviously it's, I don't know if it's necessarily, it's probably capitalism, <laughs> like not, not to get like extreme galaxy brain, but like if you look at like Fox News or CNN, like it's just, you know, I'll never forget Fox News for what they've, you know, what they've done to my grandma, you know, for just all these things where it just, it doesn't reward you. Like the nuanced, thoughtful take doesn't get rewarded, like no one's going to share the album take where you're like, because most things, honestly, most things are just okay, right? Like, most albums, they're like, yeah, that's, like, fine. But, like, no one's going to write a, this is fine take. I mean, maybe Pitchfork will. Like, maybe they'll be like, this is a 6.5, you know? But most places, like, you're not, if you're pitching, <laughs> you can't pitch an editor and be like, I don't know, like, this this new, I'm trying to think what's, like, mediocre that I thought was, like, I don't know. Like, this is just, you know, I, I, I'm, like, my brain is, like, so fried. But no, you can't just be like, yeah, I think this album is fine. What do you think? And about? I want to write about it. I want to write right. about it. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I'm like, why? But so like you're 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 rewarded by being like, this is a masterpiece, or this is the worst thing ever. Yeah, that's and true. That's just I think how like you know 
what goes viral is, is usually really positive and especially really negative things. And like, I think people, I, I don't even know if people, I think it's just instinctive at a certain point. Like, you know, we're all like, we're all like, you know, rats, like looking for the pellet where you're just like, okay, I'll get a lot of retweets or whatever. And like, I don't know, it's a horrible place to be. So my dream is to just disappear. Like I, I you know, I think Riff Raff was really smart when he said, I just want to blow up and act like I don't know nobody. And like, I mean, I'm joking, but it's like... Well, you're not. No, no, I just want to blow up and like, I don't even know what that would mean for what I do. But I would like to like be able to just do good work and kind of be out and of the way. Not need the internet. Yeah, and just be out of the way and just like, okay, like I wrote a book, you know. That'd be like that's my that would be, always be my dream. So what happened to the novel you put away? I was I think at some point my grandma's really obsessed with it still and she's like almost ninety. And it's actually really cool because like I, I, I took her to a play like last week. My friend I don't know, it's like one of those things like I'm getting older and sentimental and like, you know, I don't know how long my grandma will have, you know, because she is old. And one of my friends from childhood wrote a play and it's really good and it was playing at the Los Angeles Theater Center and she remembers him from when she was a kid and I took her to the play and she was like it was great and she was like really amped on this play it was a really cool play you know at the canyon playing at the Los Angeles Theater Center I mean it was a Chicago audience but it's it's good and um you know I was coming home and she was like talking to me she's like I don't understand why you can't get your book published and she was like reciting the plot from like 15 years ago when I wrote wow. it 12 years ago my grandma's you know memory isn't what it was so that was really cool so I think at some point I would love to try to do it. I, I was working on a book um, before all the LA Weekly stuff went down that I'm trying to get Yeah, back so let's to. talk about that. I yeah. mean, kind of like a, I guess, brief synopsis. Yeah. Um, Basically well, got taken over by a bunch of conservatives. Yeah, I mean, they, like, you know, it's funny. Like, they, the publisher was the former vice president of an organization called the Claremont Institute, which is basically the premier California, like West, whole West Coast think tank for Republicans. Uh, New York Review of Books called them Trump's brains. He'd been really active in, like, he, he was a part of a conservative pack, uh, like, that they had in Orange County. A bunch of the members of this pack with, with him bought the LA Weekly. You know, it seemed like they were going to turn it into a right-wing rag. They just turned it into nothing. They just basically ran into the ground completely. I don't know if they're... I, I, I can't imagine that they bought it to make it more liberal. I, I think... I mean, I'd like to think that by buying it and basically ruining it, you were just taking it out. They bought it at a song. I mean, it really wasn't that much money. They basically fired everyone the moment they bought it. No exit interviews. They didn't talk to anyone in the staff. They just fired everyone. There was a blank website, basically, for like a week. Nobody even knew who owned the paper. Uh, myself and a couple other people um, started a boycott. It was really successful, which, I mean, if, if anything... Boycott as in, like, telling advertisers to pull... We t Well, it wasn't really telling advertisers not to pull their ads, but, I mean, that we wanted advertisers to pull their ads, you know. It was more... Uh, Trying to, they, they, they would put on events. That was part of their scam. You know, they, they basically just hoped that no one would know that it was like they were running like a shell corporation, LA Weekly. And print media is, is not obviously what it was, but you can still make some money. And if you're running a skeleton publication with like one or two writers on staff and you're selling these ads to companies that are, you know, restaurants or businesses that might not know that the LA Weekly is not what the LA Weekly was because a lot of people aren't on Twitter. Good for them. And, uh, so we, they were doing all these events, like food events, and we basically tried to convince these restaurants and, well, like, it wasn't even convinced, it was like, this is what this is. And they were trying to get all these restaurants to give them free food and like, you know, these big LA Weekly food events, you know, you'd go there, I don't know if the reader does it, but it's like, you'd go there and you'd pay like $50 and you'd get to sample all these like amazing Right, things. like, like, it's called Taste, taste Chicago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Like a ta yeah, Taste of LA type thing. And so we were able to shut down two of their events um, and that really was, you know, we, we put a stop to their ability to do that sort of thing. And uh, from there, the boycott kind of evolved into what became the land because we we're just at these meetings and I kept on calling these meetings and you know we went from like 50 people to like 20 people and then I just had the feeling I was like uh how many times are you really gonna call these meetings you can't really be negative your whole life it's like my whole life is trying to turn negativity into positivity because I'm inherently a pretty negative person and that's kind of the positivity that I like is when it's like comes through darkness because I think that's like a more realistic form of positivity because ultimately like everyone's gonna die it's it'd kinda, be a realist it's kinda bleak yeah it's like not <laughs> a good thing it doesn't like end well for anybody like you end up dying and like everyone you loved goes on like it's really sad so I'm like how can I make you know I talk about this a lot where it's like that's why I don't like really like Bryce Dallas as a writer because it's like not really a complicated take to be like yeah the world sucks people are shallow and stupid and like you know you might as well just be a nihilist and you're like 
Well, yeah, like, I guess, but you might as well try to find some meaning in the nothingness. Like, it's, otherwise it's very unsatisfying. And in terms of this, it was like, okay, well, what, what, what's really letting them win? Letting them win first would have been letting them continue with the publication. We'd already, I mean, it, 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 it still technically is there, but I mean, it's, it's dead. You but know? they don't post anything. It's like, they like have had like one, tw- I, I haven't checked in like the last few days, but I mean, they had like one tweet for the last half of February. You know, they, they, they do have stuff, but it's, it's just so bad. Like their traffic is nosedive. The publication's like a pamphlet. It's, it's effectively dead. Do you think that, you know how Trump is like really out to get liberal media? Do you yeah. think it was kind of like a, a way to cut into liberal media? I, 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 yeah, I have to. I, I, like, why else would a bunch of like, I mean, like, I, I've been like, people ask me that, right? And I was like, okay, I'm a very progressive person, I would like to think, you know, it, like, depending on how you define it. But I'm, I'm very liberal, you know, in general. I've never been in any kind of, like, liberal organization. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, like, in a pack for the Democrats or whatever, because, like, I just, you know, I vote, and I, like, I don't even give money to candidates, right? But, like, these men their whole lives was, like, how can we get Republican candidates elected? Like, they, they had a pack. You can look it up. It's Gen Next. It's, like, publicly... It's, like, public record because donations are all public. And you can see, like, they donated, I think it was, like, 99% Republican candidates over the course of 12 years. You know, you're the vice president of, like, this Republican think tank. It's, like, I'm not in what think tank. I wouldn't even, how, I wouldn't even know what it's, I mean, like, yeah, I'd have, you would think you'd have to move to Washington, D.C. to be in a Democratic think tank. So I wouldn't even have the first idea, you know. I have a couple of friends that are activists, but most people I, I've known my whole life who are pretty progressive people aren't even involved in it. These men, their whole life was that, you know, one of the, the guy, the, the publisher, Brian Kaye, he was running the op-ed pages for the Orange County Register, which is basically the biggest libertarian paper for the last 30 years in, in California. So to separate the politics from it, I think it was inextricable because that was their whole life, you know, and I think they just kind of got caught and I don't think they realized that, which is amazing because it's like, maybe the journalists might be able to report and research the story, but I don't think they, they understood that. And, you know, I don't know. I grew up on Tupac, too. So, like, you know, Hit em Up was a popular drink, and it still is. So I just... <laughs> so now you have the land, and, you know, you put out your first issue. It was really dope. Yeah. yeah Congrats so, on that. Thank you. Yeah, no, so basically we uh, we're at these meetings, and kind of a collective of six ended up forming from it, and we have a bunch of... Uh, Several uh, people from the former who were staff at the like, they are fired contributed in the new magazine. We had the kind of the support from almost everybody that you know used to write for the old LA Weekly. I mean, everyone was pretty behind us, and like they wanted to see something kind of rise from the ashes. I'm, I have a really talented team who I should shout out because you know it's important to kind of give credit. Jen Swan is my co-editor in chief. Sarah Bennett is the managing editor. Liz Oenisian is our senior writer. Mark Ortega was the senior. She's a senior editor, Mark Ortega's senior writer, and uh, we have a really brilliant graphic designer named Evan Solano, creative director. I actually and, went to college with Jen. Oh, really? In, in Chicago. Oh, Art Institute. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so yeah, she's she's awesome, and she, she I mean, like... The she's Mac- from L.A., too. She's from, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's from, like, a Santa Clarita area, like, northeast L.A., or oh. north, uh, just north. But, um, yeah, it, it was really just a kind of quixotic, like, just crazy idea where at these meetings were like, okay, well, let's do an issue called The People's Issue, because um, the LA Weekly always did a people issue. So we're like, let's do a people's issue, you know, obviously, like, kind of corny for the people, but... And then I mean, it, it is, right? That's, like, the intention, Yeah, that's though. the idea. It's by locals, for locals. It's, I, I, you know, it's funny, right? Like, I've been trying to spend... I, you know, I grew up on, like, the Gen X model, right? Like, I was saying the Kurt Cobain, like, the Snoop. And, like, all that stuff is, like, super... It's super cool, right? Like, in the sense where it's, like... And I, I don't mean cool, like, in the sense of, like cool like like popular but i mean like cool in the sense it's like has like a sort of remove you know it's sort of more cynical more skeptical i mean and of course i'm still very skeptical and skeptical but um it kind of is like it was a natural response to i think the boomers and how they were like kind of like corny and like we can change the world and like i think gen x saw that maybe they look like how bad the boomers fucked up they fucked up everything and gen x is like well fuck this like we're gonna do our you know we're and then now like we are kind of i think the uh the air quote millennials are kind of left with okay well what are we going to do because like subsequent everyone's fucked up like we all these institutions have been destroyed every all weekly is destroyed every magazine is hemorrhaging staff every newspaper is hemorrhaging staff you know the president is literally a traitorous racist evil fuck um it's 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 a it's a hard time now it's a hard time yeah and like so how are we gonna like rebuild 
without just giving up. Because, I mean, I think, like, giving up... I, I don't blame anybody for giving up. Like, I totally empathize with that. But it, it just, like, for me, I, I couldn't because I'm just... Maybe I'm a little crazy in that way. But um, I think, like, this is... the Really, the point of it is is I think that people can do it. It might be really difficult. I mean, this has been, like, the biggest sacrifice, craziness. All of the people on the staff and collective sacrificed. You know, I had to sell ads myself. But it was like something, it, it, it was all kind of worth it to, you know, to be like, you know, we went to drop, me and like my friend Paul went to drop off papers at like Nipsey Hustle spot. And like there was a guy at the, uh, like, like a, like a soul food restaurant right next to it. And he was just like, can I get one of those? And I was like, oh, cool. And I was like, I hope you like it. And he's like, oh, I know I will. Or, you know, I went to like, you know, and that, like, there's something like that. Or like I went to, um, this place called the New Beverly Cinema, which is like now owned by Tarantino, but like I grew up going to it before. It was like you know, it was just like a just owned by this one dude who like um, and his son, who I knew the son, and I'd always grown up going there, seeing old movies and stuff, and it was just my favorite place to go. And I delivered it there, and they're like, "Oh, we've been waiting for this." So that was really meaningful, and just seeing people get excited about a magazine in 2019 is such a surreal feeling, and and I, you know, not much. I hate to say the word inspiring because it's just like it's very much like yeah, it's, but it was inspiring, you know. I just I really hope this is like a return to print. Yeah, you know, time for that. I think I think it can't. I think there is a demand for print. I think people care about print. I think it just has to be good. I mean, like I got like we got lucky. Like I mean, I have like a really good team in LA. Like I think there's a real hunger for it, LA. But I, I would love like you know to see a bunch of people start up their own magazine it can just be like yearly i mean i don't it can just be a zine like I, I think i'm doing that with jessica i hope that's cool that's <laughs> yeah. awesome yeah i mean Hopper, yeah. oh with jessica Hopper? Yeah, that's awesome yeah. yeah she's amazing yeah yeah she's a legend yeah, yeah. no we um it's funny last year when i was at pitchfork and she was like i just read our band could be your life and she was kind of like she obviously comes from more of a, like the, the punk rock tradition and i didn't even know i mean i was the hip-hop kid so I didn't even know about that whole DIY, like, you know, Ian Mackay, like, Fugazi, like, that sort of, you know, and that was really inspiring to me, knowing that people had done that in a completely different way. It has, way. like, the same ethos, you know? Totally. Yeah. And Jen is, like, punk, and Evan, the creative director, is punk. So, like, you know, Henry Rollins contributed to the magazine, so that was, that was kind of cool to know that there, and I think, I think we forget that, you know what I mean? Like, we just, it, it's so easy to get cynical, especially, like, going back to the Twitter thing, but it's like, of course, like, again, like, I, I'm not blaming anybody, like, looking on the internet every day is a fucking shit show, like, and, like, there's a lot of horrible things, it's like, you know, going back to the, like, the R. Kelly and Michael Jackson thing, that's horrible, right? Like, to see two people that are, like, I mean, you've lived in Chicago, like, I mean, R. Kelly was everything to people in Chicago for a long time, like, Michael Jackson was literally all the music I knew till I was age eight, and having to come to grips with the fact that, yeah, they probably both were monsters, and R. I mean, R. Kelly, like, it's almost almost 100%. I mean, it is, a, like, you know, you have to say... It's undeniable. Right, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Allegedly, but, like, yeah, we all yeah. know, like, right. is a monster. When you write the news, you have to say allegedly. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> like, I'm always, like, worried about, like, lawsuits. I'm like, you know, like, uh... Um, but, yeah, like, Michael Jackson, like, I mean, of course I believe those those accusers, and we have to deal with that. And, like, so every day it's, like, a nightmare, you know, kind of, and then you see the horrible things that the president has empowered or and the mass shootings, and it's so easy to get, get cynical, and it's certainly reasonable to be skeptical, but I do think that there's like there is a great opportunity now because there is the collapse of these institutions, and I think there I, I think there are things in life that are timeless. I think print is one of them. I think like yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think like good journalism is timeless. Telling stories, you know, do, the community like people want to know what's going on in their backyard. People want to know about their neighbors and like the, you know the culture that like we live in and like. I don't know. I think it's like the physicality of it. Even like so many things are on the internet, digital, intangible. You know, you can't hold it in totally. your hand. Yeah, it, it's you can't so, connect to it physically. Totally, I know. And it and it, it's like people still buy like people are buying more vinyl than ever. It, it's wild because it's like I so many people have gone to me. And they're like, oh, do you have something about like where I can go see shows in there? And you're like thinking to yourself, like, well, there's like a million apps. You know, there's a million websites that have like... There's like almost too many, you know? There are too many. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, like, I think we're hopefully getting to the point where it's like just information overload. Fuck, like, I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily want to read a magazine like every day, but like, I'll pick it up and like, that's cool. I can just flip through it and like, maybe write the date on my phone, <laughs> you know, or like I can buy the ticket on my phone, but I don't necessarily need to like sift through eight websites trying to find out what is happening in my city. So, I mean, that's that's not the point of it. The point of it is really to kind of tell the stories that, like, I mean, LA is a crazy, like, mosaic. You know, it's, like, four million people in so many different areas and, like, so many different ethnicities and, and just, like, types of people. And uh, 
We're trying to make it like not Hollywood though. <laughs> like we're trying to make it like everything right. not Hollywood. Like I mean, I'm sure there'll be some Hollywood stuff, but like all the Hollywood stuff like already gets covered. We're trying to make it like, you know, the we we, we really like our goal is to get like a story about like every like every type of you know thing in LA could get covered in the first issue. And we obviously you couldn't do it, but like we tried to get like every you know you know like intersectional thing in some way. Like that was kind of like the notion of intersectionality was I think like really paramount in our heads because it would be like what's the story like like where gentrification could cut with race could cut with sexuality you know what i mean all these different things and like we're trying to kind of do those rather than like oh this is just a sick musician or oh this is you know just a cool restaurant you know like in terms of um like our restaurant stories um you know one the, the one that sticks out to me was um this writer javier cabral who's from east la and who actually like i met him when he took me to a punk rock show it was like all mexican punk rock show in south central and um you know and so it was actually a really wild scene because there were a bunch of like older uh, black men like that were watching the show. They're probably in like their forties, and you know I don't want to like stereotype, but it looked like they'd had like kind of you know they were you know wearing colors and um, like uh, you know gang colors. And there's like these young Mexican kids who like obviously like South Central is now I think more than half Mexican, whereas it was I think like seventy eighty percent black for a long time. And there's kind of but it was it was it was really cool. They were just like staring at this punk rock show, you know these like Mexican kids like um like headbanging and like moshing and you know, just, it was kind of a sort of amusement, but Javier took me to this, and um, that was the first time I'd, I'd even seen that, you know, it's, there's so much in LA that you just don't know, and, like, the, that's been one of the cool things about the magazine, is I don't really, yeah, I'm learning, I, I love the aspect of learning about the city from these other, like, really talented writers, or in these different parts, but basically Javier wrote a story about a uh, a narco uh, corrido singer uh, who was born, actually, I think in Highland Park, and grew up here, um, and his mom was from Sinaloa, and and her, his mom's boyfriend was actually from uh, El Chapo's hometown, and so they run this like amazing Marisco's truck in Highland Park, which is a ton of gentrification there, um, and it's like kind of one of these like last bastions of like you know the real Highland Park that was, and you know the son is singing these songs that kind of harken back to his like ancestral homeland, you know, and he's like shouting at El Ch- he he shouted out like El Chapo. At, a, at our like at our show, our release show, and he's singing like these like kind of drug ballads, and like of course, you know, then you tweet drug ballads, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, and then you see, and then you shout it out on you know, and then you tweet it on the internet, and like of course, someone's like El Chapo murdered. <laughs> You're like, oh, <laughs> just stop it! Like, yeah, I know. Like, no one's saying El Chapo is a great guy. It's just a tradition. It's like, like you know what I mean? I don't know, but it's it's interesting. I mean, because then you can point out like the racial element of it. So we're like, white people would like sing songs about Billy the Kid. I don't think if people were yelling at Bob Dylan for being like. Billy the kid was a murderer who killed 15 people and it's like you know it's it's when the racial element like happens and i think like you, the racists on the internet really come out but damn true fucking internet. you know yeah. what I mean? like, no one was like oh how dare bob dylan write about billy the kid or like no one was like bonnie and clyde they were murderers you know and you're like yeah they were horrible people like bonnie and clyde were sociopaths they were murdering people like they're not good people you know like you know people are singing ballads about jesse james like Who's like not a good guy, but you know, yeah, America's fucking crazy. <laughs> um. Okay. So, what are five albums you're listening to right now? Five albums I'm listening to right now. It can be old, can be new. It doesn't really matter. It's a really good question. Um, I'm like my brain is like so fried. Let me um, look you can open phone. your phone. I'll let me look on my phone because. I listen to, honestly, I listen to a lot of Draco. He's, like, one of my favorite rappers. Of last Is he year. from L.A.? He's from L.A. I listen okay. to, like, Cold Devil, like, all the time, like, obsessively. Like, it's my favorite record of the last couple of years. So I'm always listening to that because, um, and he's, that's, I mean, that's a, it's a crazy story, too, because he, um, it's really fucked up. He's in jail, I think, wrongfully accused. He's, he's in, he's in something, I think it's called K-19. So if I, if I'm wrong, then. I'm wrong, but basically he is on trial for murder. It's a very complicated story. I've written about. I actually had an article in the Last Playboy. They're trying to use his lyrics against him uh, from Cold. Some of them, which are from Cold Devil. It's an insane. Like he shouldn't be arrested. Like they're basically accusing him of trying to kill another rapper, but the rapper wasn't at this party. So then they're claiming he gave the gun to one of his friends in the car, who then killed somebody else. And they're saying that Draco ordered the hit, but I, he wouldn't have even known that the other person was there. But also, there's a testimony of somebody else saying that Draco didn't give the gun to the to the shooter, and the DA is literally arguing like there's a, a character in the place named or uh, in the case named Shitty, like too shitty is his name, and the DA is trying to argue that they said homie on on this tape. It's it's like nuts, and 
I don't know if you've ever covered. It seems like really detailed. Everything is yeah. Everything is really nuts. Like everything. Like I I, I covered the Boosie case in Baton Rouge, and like you just see how fucked up the criminal justice system is. And like he is now because I think like months ago he had a tweet basically saying like fuck these police officers. I guess somebody in the Instagram comments, because again, the internet, was like, fuck them, we're going to get them, or something, you know, something of that sort, right? So then they're trying to claim that he incited threats against two police officers, so they're holding him in, like, this top, like, where all the cop killers are, in, like, the highest security, he gets, like, an hour of sunlight a day, he can't make phone calls anymore, he can't get visitors, they're just, like, trying to break him, and, I mean, you know, he's, he's still in good spirits when I, whenever I talk to him, you know, he can only make calls on Sunday, it's really fucked up, like... That's wild. He's, um... What am I listening to? I listened to... I did not like the Lil Pump album. I thought the Offset album was okay. Oh, you actually listened to Lil Pump I was curious. Um, I was... I kind of thought his last album was okay. I'm listening to... Um, I was listening to At the Pershing, but not me by Ahmad Jamal, because I listen to a lot of jazz. Um, I listened to... I, 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 I have been listening a lot to, to Blueface's um, like, Famous Crip album. I've been listening to like random things. I've been I've been listening to the Wow freestyle from Kendrick and Jay Lamar or Jay Rock and Kendrick Lamar as I mangle. Oh that. yeah, yeah. Have you seen the video for that? No, I don't think so. It's incredible. Like yeah, it it like uh, yeah, it, it's about they have all this old footage of Kendrick and Jay Jay Rock like driving around, and I just I I think there's something kind of magical about it where it's just I love the idea where it starts out is like can we get it like when Top used to have the red charger. And I just love the idea of, like, them being, like, the, this, like, really famous and just thinking back to kind of when they were, like, kind of just nobodies and just, I'm, like, super nostalgic. So, like, and the video kind of captures that really well. Um, so I, I think that's, that's, that's great. And I just listen to it a lot. Um, I'm really not articulating as well as I'd like to, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's a wonderful video. I just, like, <laughs> I'm a sucker for, like, the, you know, sepia tint and kind of just going around L.A. And I don't know. The, that's the, definitely a vibe. You yeah, know? I, I, I couldn't like, even imagine it and haven't even seen it. You know, yeah. so. I listen. To, I mean, I, I listen to like a lot of the LA shit, not just because I'm like, uh, you know, I've been listening to the new Flying Lotus record, like, uh, which is not out yet, but like, not well, to, I was not, about to say, I was not about to, to say, not to, not, to, not to be a flex, but I, I think it's really good. So I was about I, to say, I didn't know there was yeah, one. Yeah, they out. sent that promo out. I'm trying to. I'm excited about the new Two Chains record. Um, yeah, yeah. I haven't listened to that yet, and feel there was. I really want to listen to the new DaBaby album, but I was in New York last week, so I didn't have a chance to listen to it. I like that one video he did, Texas Ranger or whatever. I love Walker. Yeah, yeah I love Walker. I watched that show when I was little, so yeah. I was like, damn, that's... Yeah. That's why I, I love that. That's why I love rap. Where it'll be like, just rappers like have a crazy memory. It's like right. we're like it'll be the most random pop culture reference like, when, when like, it wasn't even a pop culture reference. Yeah, like when Little Wayne's like Murder She Wrote, like Angela Lansbury. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I love that. I listen to a lot of, like, Little Boosie still. Like, I listen to, like, Old Boosie at the gym. He's one of my favorite rappers of all time. I mean, I was listening to the future, the Hen- the Wizard record for a while, but I kind of haven't gone back to it that much, even though. It's, like, good, but it's, like, kind of future by numbers, but it's still good. I don't know. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. Oh, yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks. Yo, we want to thank DJ Exist for the beat. Langston Olsen for the art. Big ups, Todd Manley at WGN Radio. And Max and Dami, the corner store interns. Salutes to our super producer, DJ Cash Era. You can keep in tune with the corner store at cornerstore underscore pod on Instagram, Twitter, and SoundCloud. Also, you can stream and download the corner store wherever you listen to podcasts. And please rate and subscribe and comment on iTunes. Please, y'all, consider giving us those five stars. Thank you for listening. We're going to see you next week. The Corner Store is brought to you by Stolen Spirits.